Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Every promise, God. Father, you are faithful to us. Even when we are faithless, you stay faithful. Lord, and we love you, God. We pray for every need represented in this room today, God, that you would touch our lives, God. Every need represented online today, God. We pray that your hand would be upon it. And Father, we just give you glory and give you honor today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. God bless you. We want to take a moment this morning and we want to welcome everybody out. We're glad that you're here worshiping God with us here in the church. And we are also glad that everybody who is joining us online, you are with us today. God bless you. Amen. We want to release all the teenagers. If you're junior high, high school age, uh, you, can, uh, you can go. We have another class if you're in denial. <laughs> Just teasing. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we are going to finish up uh, the series of messages that we've entitled, Follow Me. Um, this has been, I, I don't know about you, but for me, this has been a blessing. This has been a challenging time. This has been one of those series that has reached into my life and has brought some fine-tuning. And I think that... Uh, uh, it's always good that we take some inventory, that we, we uh, realign ourselves. Sometimes I think through the journey of life, uh, we have this tendency as human beings, we can get off track a little bit. We, you know, if, if you know anything about flying airplanes, you know that there are constantly uh, making uh, just small adjustments to keep them on course because there are elements that you're flying through that want to push you one way or another. And so the wind blows this way or that way and the winds change. And so there's always these course corrections that they're making. And I think sometimes in life, in Christianity, we have to make those small course corrections to make sure that we're staying on the right track, that we're going in the right direction. And so what we did is uh, we began this message and we started looking at what it means to be saved. And I know that, that sometimes you go, well, come on, pastor, you know, after all, we're a church, we've been around a while, we, I think we got it down what it means to be saved. Well, it's remarkable to me that when I talk to people that uh, oftentimes uh, the definition in their mind of what it means to be saved and what that looks like is not always what the Bible says. <laughs> and sometimes I think what we have to do is we have to take uh, uh, some inventory, and we have to look at the blueprint and say, are we building as planned? Are we building the way that God would have us to build? Are we going in the direction? Are we following the map? And so we looked at what it means to be saved. We've looked at what it means to follow Jesus. All of us here today would say, I believe, if I were to go around an inventory or, or take a poll or a survey of the congregation, I believe that uh, most all of you would say to me, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
And we've asked the question, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And if there's one thing this morning that I want you to get out of all of these messages, it is this. Once we are saved, once we are saved, the secret to life in Christ really does boil down to this, consistent surrender to him in obedience by faith. I'll say it again, consistent surrender to him in obedience by faith. And there is so much in that. We have to understand that this life that we live must be a consistent life. It must be something that we do every day. It's intentional. It's deliberate. We wake up every morning and we say, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to consistently throughout this day surrender myself to you to Jesus, and I'm going to obey you through faith. I am going to walk this out in obedience. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. Jesus told us the story of the rich young ruler. You remember the story, the the young man that came to him, and he asked him, what must I do to receive eternal life? Here's this young man. He's you know, we know that there's a lot going on in his life. He's rich, he's young, he's, he's obviously confident. He goes to a rabbi to ask a question. He's concerned about his future and his eternity. We know there's a lot of really good things going on in his life, but he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And we know the story that Jesus kind of looks at him and says, hey, you need to you know, obey the commandments. You need to do this, 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 and this. And he says, well, I have done that from my youth. And Jesus says, well, there's one thing that you lack. He says, you need to give what you have to the poor and follow me. And Jesus boils it all down by saying to him, says, look, there's one thing that you lack. You've got a lot of great things in your life, but the one thing that you lack is you're not following me. You need to follow me. You need to get rid of the things that are holding you back. You need to get rid of that which is hindering you and you need to follow me. Over and over and over again, Jesus tells people or calls people to follow him. The disciples, he was just walking one day. He sees the disciples. He sees Peter and James. They're working with their dad, and basically he says, follow me. He sees Andrew and his brother, follow me. And so what we see in that is there is this consistent message in Jesus in his life to call people to follow him. And so this is something I believe this morning we need to pay attention to. It's something that we need to ask ourselves, are we following him? Are we following him? Now, this is the thing that's hard is because in this generation, in this day and age, I can't speak for any other because I didn't live in any other, but I could speak for this one because I am alive now, is that there is a tendency for us to want to define what it means to follow Jesus. God is the one that defines what it is to follow Jesus. Can you say amen? So I want you to see, and I'm going to bring the capstone on this series, I want to bring this to a, a, a finish by communicating something to you that is, in my mind, absolute, okay? There's a lot of things in life that are not absolute, but I believe this one is. So look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, verse 1 and 2. It says this, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as de- dearly loved children... 
and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, that's a powerful statement. This is something that ought to arrest our thinking. This should stop us in our tracks. And I think the reason why this probably doesn't stop us so so aggressively is because, quite honestly, we're convinced that we're already doing all of this. Well, let's see if we are. The late Dr. Albert Schweitzer, who was a famous missionary and author and theologian, he said these words, or he actually, in response to a question, what is the best way to raise children? He replied, there are three ways. Number one, by example. By number two, example. Number three, example. And he was absolutely right. Because your actions, your words, your attitudes will teach your children how to live. Can you say amen? I tell my sons all the time, I have uh, uh, four grandchildren, and, and you know what? I tell them, I tell my sons and my daughter-in-laws, you have little tape recorders living in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You say, how do you know that? Because I had little tape recorders living in my house. Amen. When they were little, when they were little, they had no problem telling the secrets. They not had, I remember when I was little, I remember one time I was probably about three years old, and I rem- actually remember this. Um, we were, living, uh, we were living in a town in Michigan, and we, uh, one day my mom and dad had gotten into a fight. I know that sounds strange, but they did. They were arguing back and forth. So I went outside. I was a little bit independent when I was younger. I went outside, and I went over to the neighbor's house, and I sat on the porch, and uh, my, my, uh, the, the neighbor, he was a little old man, he said, what you doing? I says, well, I said, mom and dad are in there fighting. He goes, they are. What about? So I told him everything. <laughs> I told him the whole thing. I said, yeah, my dad, he said this, and my mom said that. And he goes, oh, and you know what? There's always somebody to listen to the tape recorder, isn't there? <laughs> always. And so let me tell you something. If, if, if you're here and you have young children, let me tell you something. What you say, what you do, and how you live is showing up in your children. We get to see what your home is like just by watching your kids. That ought to scare us a little bit. We, 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 don't, we don't always like that. Let me tell you, let me tell you, it, it absolutely happens. I know there's people that say, I don't believe that. But listen, it is true because there are even things that go on inside our lives that are spiritual, that are intangible, that are transmitted. The Bible says that, you know what, good and evil, it's, it, the Bible says that God will visit the sins of the father to the fifth generation. And he is faithful in mercy and compassion to a thousand generations. So it is a spiritual thing that moves. It moves through our lives. Can you hear what I'm saying? And somewhere we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be aware that our example is teaching others. Do you know your life is influencing people around you? You are an influencer. People are watching you. They're watching how you live. They're watching how you speak. They're watching how you think. They're watching what you 
do. And Paul understood the importance of being an example. And he told the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Then he says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5 through 7, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only. In other words, we didn't just show up talking, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and full of conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sakes, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Look at what's happened. This is discipleship at work. What's happening, Paul and the boys, they're there, and they come in with a message. The people in Macedonia and the people in Thessalonica, they're seeing what's going on. They see that. They begin to do what Paul did, and others saw them, and they begin to do. It's three generations of discipleship right at work in this one verse. Are you seeing that? And all through the New Testament, this idea of imitating those that we are following can be seen. And so it is with our text. Jesus says, or Paul says, Jesus says through Paul, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. See, becoming an imitator of God is an amazing privilege But it doesn't just happen. We have to make a choice. See, being an imitator of God, it undergirds everything in our Christian lives. And this is Paul setting the standard, one of the highest standards in all of life, is that we would act like God. Listen to it. That, this is an amazing thing, that we would act like God. Now, what I'm not saying, you're not God. You will never be God. But there is something of the divine in you. He said, how do you know that? The Bible says that when God took the dirt of the earth and he formed man, he breathed into man the breath of life. There was something of the divine that was transferred from God to man. No other thing in creation has that, but man has that. And now through salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives and Christ and the Father in us, and there is something of the divine in us, and we are to be like God. God in our thought, in our speech, and in our actions. Can you say amen? The word for imitator is, in some translations it's translated followers, is the Greek word mimets. It's where we get our word mimic from. Now, Rick Renner, he made this statement, and I thought this was really interesting. He says, because Paul uses the word here in Ephesians 5.1, he is telling us to model our lives after God. Just as a professional actor is committed to capturing the emotions, looks, voice, character, and even the appearance of the person they are portraying, we are to put on our whole heart, or put in our whole heart, our whole soul, to imitate God in every sphere of our life, with our whole life. This means we make a decision every day 
to act like God. That when I get up, I'm going to act like God. I'm going to live like God. I'm going to think like God. I'm going to speak like God. Now, here's the thing. Imagine, if you will, just go on this little imaginary journey with me. Let's say that Jesus didn't show up in the first century. Let's say Jesus showed up in 2021. And let's say he was born in a little town called Truxton. I mean, you know, he's, or Yucca, that'd probably be better. At the Whiting Brothers Motel. That's how Jesus comes in. Because he's not, he, he didn't come in with a lot of fanfare, right? You know, a lot of people think that Jesus should have been, you know, in, you know, the palaces of Beverly Hills or whatever. No, Jesus was born in a manger. Okay, and he came into this world. Now imagine, because Jesus used the technology of the day to get around. And you say, what, do you, what is the technology of the day in the first century? Walk. Or if you were really fancy, you had a donkey. And you could ride a donkey. So what would you, so now some of you might look at me and say, well, my Jesus, he'd be driving a Lamborghini. And maybe he would. I don't know. Maybe some of you here would say, no, my Jesus, he's driving a Ford F-150. That's my Jesus. Some of you might go, no, 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 Jesus, my Jesus, he cares about the earth. He'd be driving a Prius or a Tesla or, you know, who, 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 who knows what Jesus would be driving? But I imagine Jesus would be driving. And can you imagine Jesus is stuck in traffic? He's stuck on Stockton Hill Road in the gauntlet between Detroit and Airway. The lights that do not time out right. The lights that are just crazy and it takes you half hour to get through town. All of that. Can you imagine Jesus going, come on, get out of my way. Can you imagine Jesus doing that? Can you imagine Jesus being, can you imagine him at Safeway? He's, he's there at Safeway. He just, all he wants to do is just get lunch. He's standing in line. <sighs> Nobody's using their debit card. They, somebody decided to write a check. <laughs> like, really? Really? Or somebody shows up right at the end. They've bought $6,000 worth of, 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 of groceries, and they go, oh, by the way, I have some coupons for that. But no, no, they don't have it out. It's in the bottom of their purse, wrinkled up, and they have to sort through every one. And Jesus, can you see it? Get out of the way. Get out of the line. For those of you who know John Panette. Apparently you don't. That was, that was for Andy and Mike right there. Get out of line. Can you imagine Jesus flipping out? No, he wouldn't. What would he do? He'd say, take your time. It's okay. I've got a lot of time. I'm the author of time. You go, well, that's Jesus, but I ain't Jesus. No, but you have some of the divine in you. You are his son. What? Yeah, no, you're just like him. You're created in his image and in his likeness, and he lives in you. Let's go back a little further and see how Paul begins this verse. In the King James Version, it says, Be ye therefore imitators of God. This li the literal translation of this is, Be consistently in the process of becoming. 
It expresses the idea of someone who has started some action in his life and is now continuing to work on it. Successfully acting like God is not something you will attain the first try. You have to do it over and over. It has to be a habit in your life. For you and I to capture the emotions, the voice, and the character of God will require commitment and time. In other words, it is the process of maturing in the Lord. Church, as Christians, we must mature in the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What is he saying? He says, you are on a journey. The journey of salvation, the journey of being saved, the journey of following Christ is that I am becoming more and more and more like him in thought, in speech, and in action. Jesus came to the planet and he said, I do what I see the Father does and I speak what the Father says. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This was our example This is not an overnight process, and it is not an easy process. It requires that we decide to be like him. And when all of this is put together, Ephesians 5.1 could read this way. Be constantly in the process of becoming more like God, making it your aim to act like him, to duplicate him, and to exactly copy him in every area of your life. The reason we can become imitators of God is that because we are, in fact, his dearly loved children. God is not some distant supreme being who demands our cowering in allegiance. God loves us. He deeply and sacrificially loves us as our father and that's why he wants us to live like him and like him every father wants their children to follow in their footsteps Jesus told us to imitate imitate God and he said in Luke chapter 6 verse 36 therefore be merciful just as your father is also merciful he even went further and he commanded in Matthew 5:48 therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect now this freaks people out because we go i can't be perfect i'm not perfect i've got flaws look at this is why we need to study the word that word perfect literally means mature he says be mature grow be complete be whole And you say, well, how can I do that? That's the point of salvation. Salvation makes you whole. Amen. Think about the context. Just think about the context of our text. In Ephesians 4, just before 5.1, 4, 17 through 32, the Bible tells us, he says, don't walk in the futility of your mind, having your understanding darkened. Don't be given to lewdness or uncleanness. We are to put off our former conduct, the old man, and to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We are to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness with holiness. Now listen, he's speaking to Christians. Put away lying. 
put away stealing. Stop stealing. <coughs> you go, Christians steal? It's amazing. There's a reason we have to lock our storage room. You go, really? Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the bathrooms, if you've ever gone into our bathroom, we have these big rolls of toilet paper, the big ones, the commercial size, and they have been stolen. <laughs> if you go over to somebody's house and there's a nail in their bathroom with a great big roll, you know where it came from. <laughs> you go, really? Yeah. Paul, he, I, I could see it. I could see Paul's got a church and people are ripping off the toilet paper. He goes, you guys got to stop stealing. Come on now. Let no, I love this one. I love this one. This is not John. This is the Bible. Ephesians 4, you could read it later. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I'll let that just sit there. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then he wraps it up in, verse, uh, in chapter 4, verse 32, and he says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as, just as God in Christ forgave you. See, after showing us specifically how we are to put off the old way of life and to put on the new way of life, Paul sums it up in this one comprehensive command. He calls us to be imitators of God and to walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. Paul is laying down here a principle that governs everything in our life. The entire Christian faith may be summed up this morning as life imitating God as a beloved child as we walk in love. That's what we're called to, church. Listen to Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other com commandment, uh, and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Are you hearing me? So what Paul is saying in our text is he says, God is a God of love. You are God's beloved children, and you are to imitate the God of love in all that you do in loving one another because Jesus, because of his love for you, sacrificed himself for your life. See, to imitate God, we're going to have to know him. To really get a hold of this church, we have to know him and know his ways. You can't imitate somebody that you don't know. You can't. You can fool yourself into thinking that you're imitating him, but you're not. To know God, we must understand who he is as his word reveals him. And it's crucial that we come to know God as he is revealed as God, not by, it's revealed as God in the Bible, not by our culture. Come on now. 
See, I have often heard people say to me, my God is a God of love, not of judgment. The implication of that statement is that God tolerates sin. The problem is that's not the God of the Bible. Amen. Yes, he is love. No doubt, God is love. God is a God of grace, and we'll never find the bottom of that grace. God is a God of mercy, and that mercy is new every morning. God loves us. He cares for us. He, 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 he moves in our life, and he is there for us every time we cry out, but he is also a holy God, and the Bible tells us he disciplines his children so that we can share in his holiness. Are you hearing me? And we must submit to God as he is revealed in the Bible. Now, here's the problem, church, and let me see if I can explain this. I've, I've tried to keep this balance through all these sermons because I understand these sermons can lead us in directions that are off course. See, we can go so far over to here to make it all about works banging the drum that you better line up, you better shape up, you better do this, you better do that. And if you don't do it, you ain't making it. And we can bang that drum and bang that drum and make it all about performance. Well, let me tell you something, church. Let me just be clear. You cannot work hard enough or long enough to make it. Amen. But then the problem is, is when we get away from that, we tend to come over here and let the pendulum swing over here. And it's almost as if we come into this place where it's like, hey, you know, God's just groovy. He's all right. He's all right with me. I'm, now, I'm, now I'm showing you I was born in the 60s. You know, and so somewhere along the line, he, it's like, hey, everything's okay. It's all right. God understands. He's good. Hey, not a thing. He loves me. Yes, he does. And sometimes that love will come and grab you and say, knock it off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the problem, church, is what we've done, is what we've done is we, what we tend to do is we want a New Testament construct for our lives, and then we want to throw an Old Testament construct on everyone else's life. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's like, I want God to be gracious and mercy with all of my crap. But you better get your crap together. <laughs> and God's going, how about we all get all the crap together? Is that, is that too hard? So what we need, so what we need, you say, well, how do you do that? Well, we can't do that, but what we can do is make a decision to step in the footprints of another. Amen. See, this life is a minefield, church. One wrong step and you get your leg blown off. How do you get through the minefield? You walk in the footsteps of the one in front of you. Jesus has navigated the minefield perfectly. And he says, follow me. Well, I don't want to follow you. Well, then get your leg blown off. That's what happens. And he calls us. He says, I want you to follow me. I want you to know what I'm about and to know God and to know his ways, church. We have to spend time with him in his word and in prayer. 
There is no substitute for his word and for prayer. And the problem is I always get, I, I told the 830 service, I always get a little bit hinky here. And the reason why is because there's always this kind of intangible pushback. It's like, oh, yeah, we've heard, we know, we know, we've got to read the Bible. And the, and the problem is, 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 is we tend to approach the Bible, I, I mean, we approach it as if it is a suggestion. I did this with the 830. I said, okay, I got an idea. Here's what we do. Let's do this. I'm going to call a 40-day fast. How many on just water? 40 days. Everybody, with, How many with me? 40 days, no food. Well, wait a second, Pastor. I, I got to have lunch. You, you, I mean, we've gone longer than 40 days without reading the Bible. And coming to church is not reading the Bible. <laughs> and I, okay, and I'm going to pick, I'm just going to pick on some things. And I know I'm picking on some things. So I, your emails and letters and cards will be welcome. So I know that I'm picking on some stuff. Okay, we, we, the pro- part of the problem with all of this is we live in the age of technology, and, and technology can do one of two things. It can really enhance your life, or it can really distract your life. And so we have this newfound thing, and I have it, church. I'll be honest with you. I have it. I've had it for a long time. I have the Bible. I, right now, in my office at home, I have the Bible on tape, cassette tape. I also have the Bible on CD. And I have on this iPad right here, this iPad will read the Bible to me. My iPhone will read the Bible to me, and my iMac will read the Bible to me. And I have it set up that I could go from one to the other to the other, and they know where they're at when they're reading. (laughs) And the problem with hearing the Bible like that, here's the problem. There's a lot of distraction. So, I, what I said to the 830 service, I'll say it to you. You need to read the Bible. Now, I understand that there are situations and circumstances that require that we have that technology and thank God for it. But there is no substitute for actually getting in and reading And I know there's always going to be some philosopher that comes to me that has some reason why that all this. But church, most of the time, the reason people just do it is because they don't want to express that much energy. I don't like reading. Too bad. Read, read. We've got to read the word. We got to feed on it. Feed on it. And then we need to pray it. And I know, I know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, this is hardcore. I, I, this is like, man, well, you're getting right down in our stuff. You're, you're right, I am. I am. I want to be an imitator of God. I've imitated a lot of stuff in my day, and all of it has been a drag. I want to imitate God, I want to do what He says. I want to follow him. And you know what? Come, sometimes there's days in my life I quite frankly just don't want to read the Bible. But I do it anyway. I, I have never missed a meal. Can you tell? 
but I've missed days reading the Bible. The Bible is spiritual food. Now, here's the problem. I think what happens is what we do is we go, oh, you know what? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 10 chapters in the Bible in Leviticus. And then you go, man, I don't understand that. Well, who does? Don't read there. Read, read in Psalms. Go read in John. Read something about Jesus. Take an, and just spend some time and look at, build it in your life. Build the habit. Build it in your life and pray it in your life. <clears throat> Let God move and see who he truly is. David wrote in Psalm 25, 4 through 5, he says, Make me know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, for I wait all the day. In other words, I wait on you, God. I want to know you. See, that kind of ever-deepening knowledge of God and his ways comes through only through when we spend time with him in prayer and in the word. We have to do this, church. This is what he's called us to do, to imitate him. How do we imitate him if we don't know him? And the only way to really know him, if you really want to know him, know his word. It just amazes me so much of how, how many Christians, they just, they just don't know the word. The word of God is your lifeblood. It's Jesus. He says, I, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. It's Jesus is the word. If we want to know him, know his word so that we can walk like he walks. And church, he walks in love. Can you say amen? He walks in love. And there's, if there's anything that I can get to you today, this is what I want to get to you. We need to be a people that live our lives in love like God does. Amen. See, church, it's easy to dig up dirt on people. I can go through this room. I could start right over here with Bev, and I can find the negative in Bev. I could find the nasty, no good for nothing stuff in Bev. She has a lot of faithful people that defend her. I should have went, I could find the dirt in Larry. I, that, that, that don't take no talent, does it, Larry? I, I can find the dirt and, and Larry. I could go around the room and I can find the negative. It's not quite a gift. But it's being able to look at a person and go, you know what, this is what's right about you. This is what's good about you. I love you and I care about you. You know, so many times I'm confronted with, with the negative. I'm confronted with what's wrong. You know, I remember watching the movie Apollo 13, if you ever watch it, when right after the spaceship blew up, Gene Kranz, the, the uh, mission, uh, uh, the guy that supervi supervised the mission, he, he started, everybody's calling out what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Finally, he stopped everybody and goes, okay, we got to stop. He goes, let's stop looking at this from what's wrong. Let's find out what's right. Here's how we're going to solve the problem. We're not going to solve the problem by knowing what's wrong. Let's find out first what's right. You know, there's something about that. There's something about seeing what's right that will bring you to that place. That's what God did with you. When he saw you, he found out what's right with you. And he came to you 
And he rescued you out of the muck and mire that you were in. And he says, you can be better than this because I put myself in you. I could still see the flicker of my image in you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to polish you and I'm going to polish you and it ain't going to feel good. And sometimes you're going to have to go back in the furnace and it's going to be painful and there's going to be parts of you that you thought were really you that are going to burn off. But you know what? At the end of the day, one moment, one time, I'm going to be able to look into you and I will see my reflection perfectly. That's what Christianity is about, church. And the way we do that, church, the way we genuinely do that is to walk in love. So as I wind this down, I want you to think about this with me. We're almost done. See, we're born again by the power of love. Romans chapter 8, or chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This whole thing, this whole journey, this whole dynamic of our lives in Christianity began in love. We are a people marked and identified by love. John 13, 34 and 35 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We serve a gracious and merciful, loving Father in heaven. 1 John 4, 16 says, For we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. We're protected and sustained by his overwhelming, incomprehensible love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. We are filled with the very personification of love himself, Jesus. Yet love seems to be the one thing that eludes us the most. Yet it's the thing we're filled with the most. Sometimes the only reason we love is when it's convenient or easy or beneficial. Church, I I made a decision a while ago to love the unlovely and to love when it was difficult. And I'll be honest with you, it's cost me. There's been times where it's been frustrating. Sometimes it's been painful. Sometimes it's downright angering. But somewhere inside of me, I hear this still small voice of Jesus saying, it's okay, I'll help you. You can love them with my love. And if you want to be like me, Walk in love. If you want to imitate me, then walk in love. I remember a time, I've shared this story before, I remember a time I was in my car and I was sitting at CVS and uh, I saw somebody coming and this person had, come, had been coming off and on to our church. And this person was one of those people in life that life was not good to them. Very homely. They, they Very dysfunctional. And generally, whenever they were in church, they would always demand lots of my time. And I was sitting in the parking lot CVS, and I saw them walking, and I thought, 
oh dear God, I don't have time for this. I, I, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, don't, I don't want to do this. And I remember trying, thinking, how am I going to get out of this parking lot? Well, sure enough, by that moment, the person looked up at me and our eyes caught and they waved. And, I, and I'm thinking in my heart, I don't want to wave. But I waved. I waved. And the person went on and there was no encounter. That was it. There was just a wave. The person smiled and was like just happy that I recognized them. And I remember driving out of the parking lot and I said, God, how do you do it? How do you love like this? Because I'm feeling convicted. And God spoke to me very quietly. He says, because John, I don't see the flaws. And you know what? Somewhere along the line, I've, I've, what I've tried to do is I've tried to live my life by not seeing the flaws, by just simply loving. Just by saying, you know what? This is a person that's the object of God's love. And you know what? One of the best things I've ever done in my life was to follow Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where it says, love your enemy, bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. And I have endeavored to do that. And when I've gotten frustrated at people and, and, and things and didn't understand, I, that's where I resort to. I go back to that. And I pray, and I pray blessing and grace and goodness on them. And I'd like to tell you I'm perfect at it. I'm not. But somewhere along the line, that's been my refuge. And you know what? There has been a real freedom there. And it's helped me. And I just want to share with you today as we close this sermon, as we come to the end, and I, man, I got a ton more verses, but let me just, I'm not, we don't have the time to go through them. But I want to share with you today that God has called us to be like him. Not our version of him, but the Bible's version of him. Jesus spoke the words, love your enemy, in a time when the government of the day was head and shoulders more corrupt than any government that we know. And you know, church, what we need to be doing as Christians, instead of complaining about what's going on, we need to be loving and praying and building and being like God. Because we can change the world. We'll change the world. But when we're so wound up in self, when we're so wound up in how it affects me, then we can't be like him. We've gone through a lot of stuff in this series. We've talked about being obedient and we've talked about surrender and we've talked about how we live and now we're finishing by imitating him. There's only one way to live and it's God's way. And that's what it means to be a Christian. To be like him to be like him and to walk in that love as dear children and when we do that and you know what church you're not going to do it all at one time it's the walk of a lifetime it's a lifetime of walking but there's something very powerful about it you'll be amazed when you start walking this out how much it'll revolutionize your life amen why don't you bow your heads with me Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you have spoken to us and you've given us this revelation. 
We pray, Lord, right now that you would engraft this and write this on our heart, God. Lord, that you would help us to be like you. What an amazing privilege, God, to be like you. God, to walk in you, to talk like you, to think like you, to act like you. Oh, Jesus, we love you today. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you would like to give your life to God. If that's you, would you lift up your hand all across this place? Maybe you're online today and you would like to give your life to Christ. Amen. Amen. Would you say this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life and I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's the beginning. That's where it starts. Now we follow him. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, let us know. If you did online, if you're watching online, write a comment, let us know. and Let us help you. Service is not over yet. We want to do this one last worship song. So let's stand to our feet and let's just take a moment as we close this service. Let's just close in worship today. God bless you.
His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you Oh, 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for the, for the truth that when the, when the devil comes and he lies and he says that we are alone, he says that you are far away, God, that we get to retreat and rest in the truth that says that you are for us, you have a plan for us, you have a plan to prosper us, a plan to protect us, a plan to, to heal us, to provide. God, and I just thank you for what you're doing in and through this place, Lord. God, if there is a person in this room that needs to be reassured of that fact, that they leave here, that they leave here and they get to stand on that foundation and in that confidence. And we thank you for what you're doing in and through this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're, we're going to release you this morning. Our, our ministry team is going to come on up. If you have any sort of need that you need someone to contend with you for, that's what the, these men and women are here for. So please make use of them. We hope that you have a great week. Once again, uh, grab a weekly on your way out so that you know what's going on. Our Wednesday night service at 7 o'clock. Uh, farewell someone as you go. We love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.